Please turn me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And when you've found your place, please stand for the reading of God's word and remain standing for a time of prayer following. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Please join me as we pray. Dear God, we thank you for another chance to meet in your house and glorify your name. We thank you for everyone that came out, and we thank you for all the graduates here and all the work that we've put in. We praise you for just getting us this far in life and just giving us somewhat of a senior year, dear Lord. And we just give you all the glory where we know you deserve it, and we just pray that we have a great sermon and can take the lesson and run with it. We just give you all the glory and thank you for all that you do. Amen. All right, I know it's already getting late. I promise you we will be out by about 1.15 <laughs> so you can get lunch. Hope that's not a problem. If Ben was here, that's the time you would be getting out. So I don't want to hear any complaints today, okay? It is always such an honor to stand before you and recognize these graduates. This is now the fourth consecutive year I have had the privilege of standing before you and recognize these graduates and honoring their efforts. This group is special to me. This group and I have been together now since they entered high school. So it's the first group I have been able to see enter high school and then complete their high school career. And it's just been such a blessing. It, we have so many wonderful memories. I can think about walking the halls of their high school with them together. I can think about going into a high school setting, a public education building, and sitting down and getting to have lunch with them. I think about FCA and campus life and the connect groups and the Bible studies that we've shared, the mission opportunities. Several of the ones that you saw on this stage had the opportunity to go to Honduras with us a couple years ago. Mission opportunities, things that we've done, it's endless. And, and I've had such a joy. I want to look each and every one of you and tell, tell you what a joy and a privilege it has been to serve as your student pastor. I love each and every one of you. I'm thankful for you. And it's quite unbelievable how quickly the last four years have gone. And now we sit here in the auditorium once again doing one of the very things that is most important in this life, learning more about our Creator, growing closer in our relationship with Him, and learning more about Him. And I pray that you all continue to do that. Now, this year certainly hasn't been without challenges. Let's be honest. These high school graduates had a year unlike any of the rest of us in terms of changes and shifts in schedules. I'm aware that their year wasn't interrupted because of them being sent off to war, and we sure are thankful for that. But nonetheless, their year was interrupted. It was changed, and it was a challenge. This wasn't the senior year they were expecting, and certainly not the senior year they were looking forward to. But that's the world in which we live. We live in a broken world where things don't often go according to plan, and then sometimes what we do plan results in different challenges and turmoil. These seniors didn't get a prom this year. They didn't get a senior trip like so many of them did before them. They didn't get the traditional senior year with sports outings and pep rallies. But I commend each and every one of you for staying involved in church, and I hope that we have done enough to convey to you that you are a part of the church. You do belong and we want you here. We love you. So before we dive into Scripture today, I want to look at each and every one of you, and I want to tell you how much I love you, 
how much I appreciate you and what a joy it's been having you. And I will tell you this also. You could look the world over and you could perhaps find a student pastor who was better than I am. You could not, however, find one who is more competitive than I am. And you couldn't find one who loves you more. You couldn't do that. So just a few moments ago, as each one of you made your way up on stage, you had a verse of scripture that you selected, one that you live your life by. And today we're going to look at a verse of scripture that most certainly fits that description of one to live your life by. This one singular verse is one that will most definitely affect the outcome of your future. The verse is Proverbs 4.23, which I so appreciate Jenna reading for us a moment ago. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Now, this is out of the Christian Standard Bible. But I want to also look at some other translations for us to get a better understanding of this verse and to discuss it in greater detail. The King James Version says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The New King James, which is very similar, says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, uh, for out of it spring the issues of life. The ESV says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now again, I'm preaching from the CSB, but I will also say I really like the way that it's stated in the NIV here. It says this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. We'll be coming back to this a little later. Now, I want to be perfectly clear as we study this passage. We often regard our head and heart as reason and emotion. And the Old Testament writers understood and are referring here to the heart not only being the home of affections, but the seat of moral will and purpose. It's like this, a stream may part into different directions, but it all begins with one fountain. To the Old Testament writers, the heart was the indivisible central place that manifested itself in the outward person. So in other words, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The heart is the person. So let's break this down into some main parts and discuss it in a little bit of depth. Guard your heart. We're going to really dissect this today and look at some other supporting scripture regarding guarding your heart. But before we do, we have to have a clear understanding of what this is not saying. This is not saying to follow your heart. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. It's not saying to follow your heart. The world will tell you to follow your heart. Movies from Disney and Hollywood will tell you to follow your heart. Many of your friends may even tell you to follow your heart. Do not follow your heart. I was actually watching a show the other day where there were two characters that were having a discussion. And one character had been caught in a lie. And the other character confronted them and said, look, you cannot continue to lie like this. To which she responded, well, what are you saying? I should just tell the truth? And I'm thinking he's going to tell her yes. He's going to say you should tell the truth. He didn't. He said, no, you need to create your own truth. That is not the way to be. Then just a few moments later, he tells her to follow her heart. Culture at its very essence says follow your heart. Follow your heart on that individual you love. It doesn't matter that they're not a believer. They won't lead you astray. It's love. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. You can be anything you want to be. You're a boy and you want to be a girl. You're a girl who wants to be a boy. Follow your heart. You can do that. That's not truth. And listen to me. I understand that what I just said 
is not a popular thing in today's day and age. But it doesn't really matter because the truth is unchanging. And G.K. Chesterton said this, and I want you to hear this. He said, fallacies do not cease being fallacies just because they become fashions. And we need to take heart of that. We need to understand that. The Bible very clearly says, do not follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. So following your heart will get you in trouble. It will lead you astray. And it will cause you to make unwise choices. This is precisely the reason the writer of Proverbs says to guard your heart. There's a book written by Charles, Charles Spurgeon called The Abolition of Man. And in the book, he's speaking of Aristotle. And Aristotle says that the head is the seat of reason and that the belly is the seat of passion. And Aristotle was saying that the way to be an ethical person or a good citizen is to have your head learn how to govern the belly. Now, for those of you who have ever had a situation come up or a real conflict come up, which one of those wins out the majority of the time? The belly, your passion, wins out most of the time. These are things that control us rather than us controlling them. This is our lust, our selfish desires, maybe our dirty business dealings with someone. The way we talk about someone when they're not around, ooh, we've all been guilty of that one, haven't we? We must guard our heart in that our head, the seat of reason, must govern the belly, the seat of passion. Think about a garden. When working a garden, it must be cultivated. Many of you in this room have had a garden before. And if you just throw some various seeds out and you never cultivate it, you never take care of it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be overtaken by weeds. It is not going to be fruitful. In the same way, our heart must be cultivated to love and desire the right things. This will allow the head to govern the belly by filtering everything through the heart. It is not an emotion. This is what's meant by guarding your heart. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How true is that? Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in your closet, in the clothes that you have? Is your treasure in what you drive? Is your treasure in seeking that next relationship? Is your treasure in your cell phone? It's, it's weird because... If I were to ask each one of you that, and you were to answer, we would overwhelmingly say, absolutely not. My treasure is not in any of those things. My treasure is in the Lord, and I, I choose to seek him. But if we really evaluate our lives, is that what the story of our lives would tell? I'm afraid that for a lot of us, it's not. We're all guilty on some level of elevating sinful desires over our love and devotion for Christ. It's relatively easy to sit here and say, yes, my treasure is in the Lord. My desire is for him. I'm going to live for him. And then if we really take a close look at our, where our heart lies and truly evaluate our lives, then perhaps we could be in for a rude awakening. I've told these students this many times before. There's a lot of people out there who claim to be Christians that don't really want to be known as Christians. So over here... And, and they'll know exactly what I'm getting ready to say. Over here, you have the Lord and the things of the Lord. And over here, you have the world and the things of the world. And there's a line that separates the two. And we want to say, yes, Lord, I'm over here. I'm on your side. I'm apart from the world. But yet we want to get as close as we possibly can to that line without actually being on the other side. So we can say subconsciously, yes, Lord, I'm with you. I'm devoted to you while we're still blurring the lines of devotion to the Lord and being transformed by the world. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can all be a little guilty of that. 
This verse in Proverbs is essentially saying, keep your heart, keep your life. Lose your heart, lose your life. Most individuals today are led by their heart, and sadly, that includes many Christians. So how do you guard your heart? What is it you must do in order to guard your heart? Well, first and foremost, you must be saved. You must have a relationship with Christ. There is no other way around this. You have had to come to a point where you recognize that you're a sinner, you're in need of a Savior, that God came in the form of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect, blameless life, died for you so that you could have everlasting life. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Apart from that, you cannot guard your heart. You cannot guard your heart apart from that. You can deceive yourself into thinking that you're guarding your heart, but you cannot guard your heart apart from that. It is an impossibility. So we've established the most important thing. You must be a born-again believer. You have to have a relationship with the Lord. Now, there are many places in Proverbs where Scripture can be taken and understood by itself. For example, there are many places throughout the book of Proverbs that you could turn to and read as a standalone passage. So here are a few standalone passages from Proverbs uh, that you could study as standalone passages. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle, ang- a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Wow, I wish I had listened to that one before. Chapter 18, verse 2. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. Man, I've been a fool according to that before. Chapter 27, verse 1. Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. There are many others. Now, Proverbs 4, verse 23 is not necessarily one of those passages where we can look at as a standalone verse. So we can't ignore these other supporting and surrounding verses. So let's look at guarding your heart in the context of this particular scripture surrounding Proverbs 4.23. Starting in verse 20. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Did you catch everything that was just mentioned in those verses? We have various senses, sight, hearing, physical touch. This is not simply telling us to only guard our heart, but to guard God's word within our heart. Don't lose sight of them in verse 21. They are life to those who find them and health to the entire body. We must read, reflect, study, contemplate, and saturate ourselves with the word of God. We must have them written within our heart. It is vital for us as Christians to pay attention to the words of Scripture, to listen closely and take heed of what is being said. It is vital that we surround ourselves with people who will encourage us in our walk with Christ rather than getting us off track. As you go off and you enter the college world and you enter the workforce, you will find more people are far more considered, far more interested in doing what makes them feel good, what pleases them than they ever were for concerning themselves with the things of the Lord. Avoid that. In the introduction of Proverbs that we read as a group last week, verse 10 of chapter 1 says, Do not be persuaded by sinners if they entice you. A heart full of sin and foolishness does not and cannot have life flowing from it. Only when our hearts are full of his love and truth will life flow from our hearts. Psalm 14.1 says this, very clearly says this, the fool says in his heart there is no God, 
They are corrupt and do vile deeds. I do not think it's a coincidence that verses 21 and 22, we are told to keep them within our heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Think about your heart in the physical sense. Think about how vital your heart is in the physical sense. It is such a vital organ. If your heart is not operating at 100%, it's going to affect everything else that, you're, that is involved in your life. If your heart's not pumping at 100%, you're not getting oxygen to the rest of your body, which means that even the most simple and mundane tasks can prove to be difficult. In the same way, the same, the, the most, in our spiritual walk with Christ is going to suffer if our heart isn't in it. The most simple tasks can prove to be difficult. Once you're saved, the Bible is clear that you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Guarding your heart means we will put forth the effort to nurture that new spirit and starve the old spirit. And listen, I've been guilty of it. You've been guilty of it. We want to feed and nourish that old spirit, and we end up starving out that new spirit. We've got to guard our heart. Starve that old spirit. Nourish that new spirit. In order, we've got to grow in our relationship so much, though, that the world can't tell us apart from Christ. In order to adequately guard our heart, we must guard our identity. And I wish we had more time to discuss this in greater detail. But if we are created, then we have a purpose. Relating that back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if we are new creations reconciled to Christ... Okay, so if you are a believer, you've been reconciled back to Christ, then you have the ministry of reconciliation. You can then go out and tell others how to be reconciled to Christ. You have that ministry. I have that ministry. Too often, though, we go through the motions and live as though we're just in charge. Or, or maybe that's just me. Maybe none of you in this room ever struggle with any of that. So we've looked at the first part of this verse in some depth. Now let's look at the second part of verse 23, above all else. Above all else. That's quite a statement from a book just bursting forth with life and various instruction and wisdom. Above all else, above all else just screams at us. It's worth guarding above all else, but what makes it so precious? Why above all else? For starters, because it's valuable. We guard things that are valuable. Parents, so thankful that you're here today with these graduates. For the last 18 years or so, you have guarded over them. The last 10 to 15 or 20 years, I'd say in this community, there's a lot more doors locked than there used to be. Why? Because we are guarding things of value. We're protecting things of value. I'm going to tell you the story. Last week, I'll try to be brief. Last week, I unloaded my truck. I pulled around in my building, and I was unloading my truck. Okay? Kids already know this story. I opened my tailgate, and I was unloading some stuff, and I walked to my building and put some stuff up. And when I walked back to my truck... I walked around the front-hand side of my truck, which means what? I didn't realize that I left my tailgate down. So I leave, and I get to where I'm going, and I discover that it's, that it's down. No big deal, right? Your tailgate's down, you just flip it up, except for the fact that I had a steel BR700 backpack blower in the back of my truck that was now no longer there. And I was like, man, shoot. So I turn around, I go home, and I knew that I had little to no chance of seeing this thing. And, of course, I didn't. I imagine the very first person who came through there grabbed that up. Now, think about this. Why is that? Because it had value. It had value. If it was just trash laying on the side of the road, I guarantee you'd go down Justice Ridge Road today and it'd be the same trash laying on the side of the road, which our students are going to hopefully clean up next week on Saturday during caring for Candler. 
Why? Because it has no value. Your heart is so much more valuable than that leaf blower, and it's certainly so much more valuable than trash on the side of the road. Your heart is valuable. It's worth protecting. And I was going to make some joke about if one of y'all had my leaf blower, I sure would like to get it back. But as it turns out, someone did return it. So our heart is under constant attack. Sometimes we blame things on the devil. Something bad happens, uh, it's Satan. Something doesn't go our way, it's Satan. And you know what? Sometimes there's some truth in that. And sometimes we just make really dumb decisions. Sometimes Satan has nothing to do with it. We just make really bad decisions. He is crafty, though. And not only is he in a war with God, but he's in a war with everything that aligns with God, which is what? That is including us. That is including us as believers. He opposes you because of who you serve. To say to guard your heart above all else is to say that it is worth guarding because you are in a war. You're in combat. There is real spiritual darkness out there. There's real evil out there. You can talk to unbelievers who don't profess Christ, and they'll say, there's absolutely real evil out here. We face it every day. We see the real and present dangers. There's a spiritual darkness out there. And above all else, it is vital that we guard our hearts. Many of us are oblivious to that fact that we're under constant attack. And this is precisely the reason we're told to guard our heart above all else. The last part of this verse says, for it is the source of life. Did you know that in Haywood County... All of the rivers and springs that flow in Haywood County originate in Haywood County. Did you know that? There is no outside water that flows into Haywood County from adjacent counties. Did you know that? That means all the water you see in Haywood County originates right there. The West and East Pigeon, um, Richland Creek, Jonathan Creek, Crabtree Creek, Fines Creek, and all the others originate right there in Haywood County. Maybe that's why they're different. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm so thankful for you band members being here. I had, I had to throw that out there. I, I, I planned that before I even knew for sure, but, but I'm thankful y'all are here. So not only is that a pretty interesting fact, but it means right there in Haywood County, they're the source of all their water. Now, if it's not rain falling from the sky, it's water originating right there in the mountainside of Haywood County. That's pretty neat. In the same way, your heart is the source of life. I mentioned earlier how I really liked how the NIV stated this, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from our heart. Who we choose to spend our free time with, who we choose to associate ourselves with. The speech that flows from our mouth begins in our heart. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? I think about some of my thoughts sometimes, and I think, man, what a wicked man I am. And then sometimes those words come out that started as thoughts, and then other people are like, man, what a wicked man you are. Regarding the water in Haywood County, I recently read a quote that said this. An executive director of the Waterways Association in the county said this. When it comes out of the ground, it's clean. That makes it a lot easier to keep clean. It's a lot easier to keep clean water clean than it is to clean dirty water. Now, that may seem like common sense, but guess what? That means if we have dirty water flowing from our heart, guess what's flowing from it? Dirty water. If you went to Haywood County and you stopped the supply of water... Water in that county would cease to flow. If you went to those headwaters and you poisoned the water, it's going to be poisoned water that's flowing from there. In the same way, our hearts, if it's evil, if it's dirty, that's what's going to flow from it. We have to guard our hearts above all else because everything we do flows from it. King Solomon says the heart is the wellspring of life. If your heart is unhealthy, it will impact every other aspect of your life. 
It will affect your thoughts, which will in turn affect your words, which will in turn affect your actions. And guess what that impacts? It impacts your school. It impacts your friends and your family. It impacts your career. It impacts your testimony and your witness. And ultimately, it will impact your legacy. It will be what you're known for. Graduates, children, singles, young adults, older married couples, senior saints, every single one of you and myself, everything we do flows from our heart. This specific proverb is consistent with the teaching of Christ. Think about what you do, how you act, how you talk to people, when they're, or talk about people, rather, when they're not around, how you conduct yourself. What you think about gossip starts with bitterness and anger in the heart. Theft begins with greed in the heart. Murder begins with hatred in the heart. Adultery begins with lust in the heart. Small and big lies alike start with pride in the heart. So I'm going to close with this. G.K. Chesterton said this also. I quoted him earlier. He said this. There are a million ways to fall, but only one way to stand up straight. The way to stand up straight is through Christ Jesus. So my prayer today is that you know Christ first and foremost then as you go through life, regardless of what stage of life you're in, that you will guard your heart above all else, which will help us to have an impact in this community and beyond for the cause of Christ. Pray with me.